this is a friend of mine, hey? <laughs> Aren't we glad we moved on from the 80s? And uh, the church found uh, how to be culturally relevant as well. <laughs> or was that culturally relevant back in the 80s? <laughs> Sorry, Barry? <laughs> Not where you came from. Uh, it's good to have a bit of fun. Uh, I just thought, you know, the, the title uh, of this three weeks is Take God Seriously. And I just thought, while we're taking God seriously, we can also have a bit of a, a laugh at ourselves as well. So, a uh, bit of fun. Okay, so uh, last, oh, I'll get onto that in a moment. So, Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 13. And all going well, that should be there. Perfect. Okay. So this is in the message translation, so it might be a little bit different uh, if you're reading something else. I, I love the message translation because of the everyday English it puts it into, and particularly for preaching from, it just makes it really relatable and understandable. So hopefully some of this will help. So verse 13, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he is John the baptizer, and some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say I am? So we're in week two at the moment of three weeks, uh, Take God Seriously, which is based on the commandment in Exodus uh, 20 verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Or if I take the message version, no using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. It's a nice way. Oh, it's stuck. Oh, uh, that should have changed. I'll just keep plowing on. Uh, so last week, Loretta introduced us to uh, the some of the names of God. So we're talking about the names of God and how we uh, respond and how we act and how we carry these names of God. The uh, w- One of them is Emmanuel, God with us. There's Abba Father, which Jesus introduced. Our Holy Spirit is also uh, one of the Trinity and is our comforter and, and is with us at all times. Uh, Loretta also talked about that God's name uh, signifies and brings us protection and safety. From Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord also brings provision. In John 14, it's about honoring and glorifying God. In, uh, in Philippians, it talks about God's name being above every other name. It's, it's eminent above every other name. And the presence of God, where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst. So God's name also has His presence. It's caught up. Cool. So, the the way what Loretta introduced us to is the way we use his name shows us about uh, shows others how we feel about God and how we respect him. And also, uh, we talked about at the end of last week. Uh, there is power in the name of God to change situations. And one of the songs we've been singing in recent times is "There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain." And we're not talking about padlocks and metalwork. We are talking about spiritual chains and emotional chains and uh, physical chains uh, and yeah, all the, the things that would be holding us back in our life in, in spiritual aspects. So the name of God. In Old Testament times, God's name was held so reverently and so esteemed that they would actually only say his true name once a year. And, and when, they, when the, the scribes come and write the, the Old Testament, which was in Hebrew, uh, that they would get to writing it, writing God's name, which they would actually write with only four letters. Sorry? Oh, brilliant. Technology. I think it's time for a new iPad. Oh, they're going to announce one this week. Perfect. <laughs> so they would write it with four letters because they didn't have uh, vowels. We might know it as Yahweh. We would add an uh, Y-A-H-W-E-H. So they, they would get to this point, they were to write, they would actually go, and because uh, they would get to the point of writing it, they would throw out the scribe, they would go clean, they would get themselves prepared, write these four letters with a new quill or writing instrument, 
and then throw that away and then keep writing because it was such a holy name that even to mention it or to write it, they had to be clean. They had to, it, it, it wasn't something that you would just throw around like we may do now and I'll get onto that a little bit later, that people might throw around the name of God just like anything. So to mention Yahweh and to the point they would even, uh, in conversation, they substituted the name Yahweh for Adonai, which uh, another name for God, and they would use that, and people would know that they sort of meant God, as in Yahweh, but they couldn't actually say it because it was so holy. So it would be like me talking about Chris and saying, you know, the the pastor, or, or Vicky, and saying, you know, the, the pastors of the church, without, because their names would be so holy, I couldn't actually say Chris or Vicky, because, you know, I would tremble in my shoes, because, you know, you never know what Chris and, Vi- Chris and Vicky could come and smite me uh, if I said their name wrong. Yeah. Stone him. They're calling for it already. So the name of God was just so precious, and they would only announce it publicly from the temple uh, once a year. So, where are we at now? Have we, yes, we have scrolling. Great. Uh, so Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying? about who the Son of Man is. So the, the people he are talking to here is his disciples, the ones that have been with him for a couple of years now. So uh, they've been with him through everything. And he's asking, what are people saying? He's not asking, what are you saying? He's saying, what, what's the consensus? What are people saying around about who the Son of Man is? And he's referring to himself. Other translations say, who do other people say I am? And I'll just clarify that Jesus is very secure. He's not saying, you know, give me some feedback because I'm not really sure about where I'm at and, um, you know, if people are kind of getting this thing and, and I just need a bit of an ego boost. He, he's asking because he, he knows, but he, he wants to hear it from the disciples and hear what other people are saying. And it's interesting because what, what are people saying about Jesus at the moment? What are people saying about God? We're, we're in a society that... Uh, probably year on year, the people of certain generations might lament this more than myself, that respect seems to be waning year on year. So we, we've come from societies or, or generations past where there was certain behaviours expected, certain manners that you just don't really see these days, even to uh, point of, you know, table manners have changed, the way we, we don't, do we stand up when older people walk into the room? Uh, to the point where it's actually flipped around, and if I dare open the door for someone of the opposite sex, who knows what could come, uh, I might get a thank you, or I might get a, what? Like, th- we're an equal society, how dare you open the door for me? Uh, and that, I've had looks when I've done that for people, and it's it's strange, and it's twisted. And it's not so much about the, the, the gender thing, it's about when we show respect for others, it's actually kind of frowned upon or spat upon because we're very much about me, very much about, I'll just look after myself and if you dare kind of treat me that way, it's not because you respect me, it must be because you think I'm less than you. Uh, So our society has lost respect for names, it's lost respect for positions, it's lost uh, respect and honour. And so that reverence that we talked about at the start has diminished and is dropping away. So what we say and do can impact how others are seeing God. Us as Christians and how we behave is reflects on Jesus. And God's name, we'll just establish, does deserve respect because of his actions. The, the Bible's full of stories of how God uh, has honoured his promises, the, the people he's helped out of situations. Uh, as Vicky said, ever-present help in time of need. So wherever people have needed that help, the Bible's full of those examples. And he is powerful. God deserves respect because he is powerful, not in the shape of an evil dictator powerful and respect because you fear for your life powerful, but powerful because he can heal. Powerful because he did create the heavens and the earth. Powerful because... Uh, he's brought all of us into church here and worked on all of our lives and brought our healing where there's been sickness and brought miracles where there's been financial need. All of that because he is powerful, God's name deserves respect. He also deserves respect because of the character. He's perfect and holy. 
so like I said, dictators are powerful, but they're very imperfect and very unholy. Uh, but God, uh, Jesus never sinned. God is perfect and holy and there, there is no sin in his presence. And because of that, he deserves respect and his name deserves to be upheld with reverence. So we're seeing that lack of respect for authority and ultimately the idea of God. So what that means is uh, we might have seen in, in the past, maybe people kind of might have had a go at Christians or might have sort of just said, oh, I just won't go near church. or what. But that might have been sort of 150 years ago. But now there's the kind of atheist movements. It's very proactive against protesting against the idea of God and slandering the, the, even the thought of God, let alone the name of God. So th- this is kind of the, the society and the, and the culture that we're in at the moment. And now Jesus' name has become a swear word, a cuss word, uh, depending on if you're American. Uh, and, and we even uh, will, will say things like, it's hard to say it without saying it. So even uh, acronyms like OMG and say, oh my God, like even writing the acronyms down and making people have to say it or read it those ways and using Jesus' name. Like the, the amount of times we, we hear around the place, uh, here in workplaces, uh, and it, TV shows, movies, uh, just music, I think, yeah, a little bit, and, and plus the other swear words that we won't be saying. Uh, Jesus' name is mentioned as a swear word. And so there, there is this complete lack of awareness and respect of what that means. But why would people be using it if it, unless it had some sort of power behind it? Why, why is it such a common swear word if there wasn't power in the name? Yeah, exactly. Brandon said, no one says Muhammad. And, and if, if we were to say Muhammad or Allah on TV or movies uh, as the, the rate that Jesus has said, uh, those shows would be shut down, that TV network would be shut down, or there would be protests or all sorts of things. Because one thing we can learn from other religions is the respect they hold for the name. Uh, and it, we could just carry just a little bit of that uh, it would do us well to to know, but then I mean we can't control everybody in the world, and uh, if if they're not Christians, but we can stand up in our own little circles and say, you know, that that's a name that actually means a lot to me. Uh, it might not be fruitful for us to go and protest and picket uh, because of what that again represents and reflects on the name of God and and how we are seen in the public. But what we can even start with just the small things and the people around us and how they represent. Jesus' name. See, I love Carmen. <laughs> In case you didn't know, uh, we're married, so it's good that we love each other. Now, if I used Carmen's name uh, uh, as exclamation when I injured myself or did something wrong, <laughs> that would be bringing disrespect to her name. So if I stub my toe and say, ah, oh, Carmen. <laughs> Or if I uh, dropped the iPad and the screen broke, ah, Carmen. You would either think I really, really dislike my wife or I just have absolutely no respect for that name. And so you will not hear me say her name in, in such a way. J. John says, the best antidote... The best antidote to the misuse of God's name is to ensure its proper use and the best way of using God's name properly is through praise and prayer. And that's exactly what we were doing uh, this morning. So when we come in and when we are worshipping and lifting God's name up, that's our antidote, that's us coming into our culture, into our world and declaring Jesus' name, God's name and saying, I, I exalt the name of God, I lift it high, I am worshipping. And, and so we are, and as we're singing about the Holy Spirit and having the presence of God, we are filling ourselves with the presence of the Holy Spirit and honouring God's name. So we're creating less and less room for us to uh, irreverently use uh, Jesus' name or God's name. And so then when we go forth into our week, we, we come into church and, and we're in our prayer times during the week and worship at home, we are praising God's name and filling our mind and our spirit with God's name in the right way rather than in how it might be used in our workplaces and, and those around us. 
See, I, I put this in my bag last night. I'm hoping it's still there. I am, in case you didn't know, this is a New Zealand passport. I'm a New Zealand citizen. I'm not Australian. Now, I am proud of this passport because it has nice shiny silver bits on it. <laughs> and it's much more interesting than the Australian one, and I can say that. And <laughs> it's got nice colourful variations and pages and nice patterns that represent New Zealand. Now, when I travel with Carmen, and, and we've travelled overseas together a couple of times, uh, as well as uh, not counting New Zealand back and forth, I am a New Zealand citizen. And you know the, the cases of, uh, often it's around when there's uh, tragic news stories and accidents and storms and tsunamis and when the consulates are contacting who's there and we get reports of, I guess the Malaysian flight situations would be an example. There were this many citizens from this country and this many from that country and it's all about who's from where and, and where, where they identify with. If we were ever in such a situation, which I certainly hope will, will never happen and believe will never happen, I am a New Zealand citizen, and so I would be reported as a New Zealand citizen. Local news likes to go for the local thing, so I might be a local resident, but I wouldn't be in Australia. But I am representing, and I am an ambassador. Uh, we are ambassadors of Christ. I am, technically, I'm an ambassador for the country that I represent in the same way we are ambassadors for Christ. So when we are traveling around, when we are at work, when we're in our families, we are ambassadors of Christ. And this is our heritage. This is our passport where we come from, carrying the name Christian. So uh, as an example, when uh, in my high school, I went to a public school in New Zealand, which was kind of about the same level as a private school. So it had a lot of history, Christchurch Boys High School for any Kiwis or, or people that uh, understand uh, that. And so we had, like a lot of private schools, strict uniform standards. And I was tasked in my last year of being responsible for helping enforce those uniform standards. <laughs> now, the reason for these uniform standards was everywhere we go with some part of the uniform on, we are representing that school. So the rules definitely apply while you're at the school, but also while you're travelling to the school or any school functions, anywhere you're wearing part of the uniform. The, the rule was it's all uniform or it's all, we called it mufti in New Zealand, all casual or uh, what's the, the term for it here? Casuals, yeah. So mufti day was the day where we didn't wear our uniform. So... Uh, yeah, I actually don't know where that comes from. Well, we'll, we'll get, in, get into it later. English. Cool. So if people could identify that I was from that school, I'm representing base. And the reason why the school was cautious about it, because it's reflective on the name of the school. It's reflective on Christchurch Boys High School, or CBHS, for sure. Now, some of you may know that Carmen and I run a business and so we, we have social media presence, I've been on the radio, I've had uh, been on TV, I do uh, public speaking and, and training, and just in all the marketing material we present, I'm very conscious and aware when we are talking about the business and talking about what we do, that we are trying to build a solid name for the business. And that it's a name and it's a brand and it's trying to project a culture, but ultimately, it's how we're perceived by what we're communicating, whether it be quirky or funny or professional. Uh, but definitely, when I try and avoid and move around certain topics uh, that w have no direct benefit to the business, such as political type situations, because that is actually n of no importance to the business. So some issues we have to remain neutral. Uh, we want to project the the, uh, the culture of what our personality, what my personality is, what Carmen's personality, and ultimately the character of what we want to be as business people, uh, and having an upright, uh, moral, yeah, morally upright, uh, high character, truthful, honest business enterprise, because we're trying to build a name for the business that will then benefit us ongoing. Now, in our use of social media, when uh, putting on my professional hat from that business, I do talk about social media and do's and don'ts of social media and uh, how, how things work. So when we are on social media, and I'll try not to be too soapboxy, uh, when we are on social media, we are projecting the name of 
As Christians, if you identify as a Christian, the, your actions and your words and your photos on social media, as much as in any conversation around work and uh, hanging out on the weekend, you are representing Jesus. You are representing the name of Jesus and the name of God. So just have a think and what you are posting up there, you also might be impacting on your workplace if people can see that you work at a particular location, your behaviours there might have some impact on that. Your family, your, your surnames are often listed, uh, and uh, yeah, church as well, depending on, on who you're hanging out with. So I've just put a few things that uh, I have seen across the years on, on social media that us as Christians should just be aware of and how our behaviour and our conversation there might represent Jesus and might be impacting how others are seeing the name of Jesus because of how we uh, behave. And it's not just limited to social media. First one would be complaining. Uh, now, there, there might be, it might be valid to have a complaint, to ha- have, have a whinge as such. But uh, if, if it's all day, every day, I have actually... Uh, unsubscribed, I'm still friends with certain people, but I've unsubscribed, and there's no one in this room, don't worry, Uh, and from their updates, because all it is is negative, whinging, uh, woe is me to the world type updates, and it's not reflective of what I believe we, we should be projecting and it's not just about putting up a good image it's about how are we communicating and and how is our faith represented by the conversations and the the language we use on social media Uh, philippians 2 14 says do everything without grumbling or arguing not just some things everything now i i find that as hard as the next person i have lots of opinions Uh, anybody that has a long conversation with me would know i have opinions on things but I avoid trying to put uh, put them on social media. If I have a complaint about a business, I will do it via private message. I will not necessarily put it on the world, uh, on the you know on their wall, or like for everyone to see and screenshot it and put it up and and splash it around because that's their name and I'm slandering their name until there's a chance to uh, negotiate and work work out the situation. And contacted uh, Kmart last year via private message didn't have a response after a couple of days so I put something on their wall and they acknowledged they had seen it and we worked something out and it was it was good uh, we had a, an issue with we went out for breakfast uh, earlier this year uh, we didn't get our food for how, how long 45 minutes and then it wasn't right because Carmen can't eat certain things being pregnant uh, so we uh, just l- left them a, a feedback not expecting any response but we didn't do it publicly we did it via private message and gave them the opportunity to respond. And they responded very favourably. Uh, and we weren't expecting anything from, from that. But just because you are right doesn't mean it is right to uh, communicate in these ways. Just because you your complaint is valid doesn't mean uh, the method of communicating with them is correct. Uh, we should not argue on social media. We should avoid arguing generally but uh, Proverbs 15 one says a, a, a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger Proverbs also says he who wins souls is wise as Christians if we are constantly arguing and, and putting up uh, arguments we are turning people away from good conversation and, and relationship we are stirring them up to a point where we might affect their ability to come into the kingdom because we might be the person placed into their life to, and if we're antagonizing and just arguing, then we are uh, stirring up their anger rather than just deflecting and being able to have a conversation and get to the heart of the issue. Titus 3 says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. <laughs> uh, and, and I'd say, uh, and, and the other point I was going to say about judging people on social media. Uh, we're in a uh, time of instant news, instant uh, opinions, instant feedback. And cases of, uh, you would have seen this week, Hillsong were in the news uh, because uh, something uh, allegedly that was said uh, in regards to 
what's happening in New South Wales and, and the churches across Australia and just getting to the heart of uh, issues with uh, sexual abuse uh, back going back decades. Now, a- and there's uh, other people might be familiar with Kong He and, and Singapore, situation that, uh, you know, alleged u- misuse of funds and, and that's in courts at the moment. And so us as Christians, if we are jumping on and, and, and anybody in the media who might use a swear word or in sports who might punch someone or uh, whatever's happening that might be against what we see, if we're just jumping on and giving an opinion without knowing the facts, and even if we know the facts, is it actually helpful and conducive to offer an opinion? Just, be, and just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it needs to be heard as well. Uh, especially on social media where it might be one thing for me to share a personal opinion with Brendan, but for me to put it online where hundreds of people could see it, could be screenshotted and digitally kept forever, just, uh, just have a think. <laughs> Matthew 7 says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I encourage you just to err on the side of grace. Because if we, we all need grace. We, we all need, we've all done wrong things. We've all stuffed up. We've all, uh, we all need Jesus. We all need the grace of God to get us into heaven. So these people with a public profile or not need grace just as much as we do. So if you want grace, you reap what you sow. If you offer judgment, then if you stuff up in the future, and we all will, then are you going to get grace back or are you going to get judgment back? Uh, and also uh, passive-aggressive jabs that are uh, indirectly s- referring to a situation without actually mentioning a name. That's not helpful. <laughs> In the words of J. John, no! <laughs> no! Something like that. Don't do it! They're just some practical things in, in regards, because most of us are on social media and it's how we communicate uh, whether it's apps, uh, Facebook, or uh, private messenger, all of these things, and how we're communicating in workplace as well, emails, written communication is very hard to interpret uh, without seeing body language. Because a lot of what I've said now, with you seeing me and and how I'm kind of d- facial expressions, you you can read a lot more into that. But if I just wrote it down verbatim, put it on a blog, put it on Facebook. I would expect all these sorts of comments to come back at me. And so context uh, really does help. So as Christians, in how we act in the situations we get into, we are carrying Christ's name. That's the very reason I do not have a fish on the back of our car. <laughs> because some people think Christians are meek and mild. They think definition of meek is slow and conservative. and, and But that's not how I drive. <laughs> My version of Christian is uh, assertive, uh, <laughs> likes to get places quickly and see a gap and see an opportunity and I take it. <laughs> it's great preaching, I know. <laughs> we will keep this on the tape. A- and at times we've also had signage on our car for our business. Uh, so I must admit when I've had the signage on the car, I have driven slightly differently because I might not have honked as loudly as if I didn't have the signage, because the horn's there for a reason. I know some preachers say don't, I know some preachers say don't use the horn, but some people need to know when they've driven badly. (laughs) I've I've been tutored once or twice, and yeah, oops, sorry. Yeah, it's it's all grace, it's just slightly instructional. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's instructional grace. Uh, cool. So how we act might influence what people are saying about who the Son of Man is. Do we represent the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. 
So what are people saying about who the Son of Man is based off our actions? And uh, even for those around the disciples, some did not necessarily think that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, the, the answers that he got back, some said he is John the baptizer. Now, John was Jesus' cousin and uh, made way, as the Bible says, made way for the Lord. He, he was out there preaching and baptizing people before Jesus was in ministry and actually baptized Jesus. And then he was beheaded. So some people actually thought Jesus was John the Baptist risen from the dead and came back. And it's actually quoted in the Bible, uh, Herod, who's the uh, Roman ruler, actually thought Jesus could have been John risen from the dead. So there's a bit of confusion based off what's been going on around that who Jesus was. Uh, and he was also a bit of a weird guy. He ate locusts and honey. That was what he ate. And he lived in the wilderness and wore camels, skin, garbs. Uh, and so this is who they're thinking Jesus could be. Others said he might be Elijah. Elijah was a prophet from the Old Testament and uh, he actually didn't die. He uh, was taken up into heaven without dying, taken up in a chariot of fire and they thought Elijah is come back because it was prophesied in, I think it was Micah that, or Malachi, that uh, Elijah would be coming back. And so they thought Jesus was Elijah. But actually, uh, John the Baptist was in a uh, a spiritual representation, not actually the person of Elijah coming back. And so what we're seeing is there isn't a consensus. Some saying, some are in the John camp, some are in the Elijah camp saying Jesus might be Elijah. And still others are saying Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So what they're saying is he's got a prophetic gifting, he, he looks like a man of God, but yeah, we, we don't know that he's the son of God. We don't know who he he, he really is. He, he's, he's probably just another one of these guys that's coming in, is going to write some stuff and it's going to be in our, in our scriptures or in our holy books and, and we'll talk about him and it was great to be around when, when he was alive. But then Jesus says, he pressed him and he said, and how about you? Who do you say I am? So he, he's getting to the heart of the issue. He's saying, okay, okay, so, so we'll put all that to side. No matter what the world says, no matter what your family or friends say, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Who is Jesus? What does he represent? Who do we say God is and do we believe in the names of God that we mentioned earlier? Do we believe that God is healer, that he is God with us, that he is our provider? Do we believe that he is uh that ever-present help in time of need, as Vicky said earlier, do we believe that he is our refuge and our shelter? Who do we say Jesus is? What position have we put Jesus in our life? What, where is Jesus? Is he, uh, we're having a conversation with uh, Brendan earlier this week, and we're talking about, is Jesus our Savior or is he our Lord? Is, is Jesus, have we got that revelation that Jesus is the one that came and took sin of the world upon the cross? Now, so the Simon Peter started to answer, and I'm hoping this will work. So this is after a whole bunch of things. So Simon answered after Jesus questioned, and we are seeing on this graphic, we see that Simon fi uh, Peter finally answers after Jesus feeding 4,000 people with uh, baskets of food. And we've lost something. That's all good. That's oh. back. Cool. So, yes. Okay, so Jesus calls the first disciples. And then he uh, calls Simon Peter. Uh, then John the Baptist says, Jesus heals an official son. Jesus uh, begins preaching in Galilee. Jesus calls four more fishermen. Jesus uh, teaches with authority. Jesus teaches a crowd from a boat. Jesus provides a miraculous catch of fish. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Uh, Jesus preaches and heals throughout Galilee. Jesus heals a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus defends his disciples for not fasting. He eats in Matthew's house. He calls Matthew to be one of his 12 disciples. A large crowd follows Jesus and he heals many. The, the Pharisees plot to kill Jesus. That's exciting. Jesus chooses his 12 apostles. 
Jesus gives his famous sermon and the Beatitudes. Jesus heals a centurion's servant, he reassures uh, John the Baptist's disciples, raises a widow's son from the dead. He, he teaches about John the Baptist, a, his relatives seek him, he calms a storm at sea, he tells the weather what to do, uh, he tells uh, many parables and his disciples ask about them. Jesus casts out demons and sends them into a herd of pigs. A synagogue ruler asks Jesus to help his daughter. Jesus raises the daughter of the synagogue ruler. Uh, Jesus teaches about prayer. He sends out the apostles. Jesus heals two blind men, heals a, a mute demoniac, a demon-possessed mute. Uh, and Jesus uh, multiplies the loaves and fishes to feed 5,000 men. And 5,000 men would probably mean up to 15,000 people because there would have been women and children there as well. Jesus walks on water. Jesus proclaims he is the bread of life. Jesus teaches disciples about uh, all sorts of things. And he feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish. So that's another probably 12,000 people. Jesus warns his disciples against false teachings. And then Peter says, I get it. I get it. I've seen all of this. And now... I get it. Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. <laughs> Liz says it good. It took him a while. See, sometimes it can take us a while. Sometimes we can get it straight away. Sometimes it can take us a while. And that's okay. Simon Peter was this kind of brash, would say things quickly. He needed a bit of convincing on the big issues. It's okay. Now, what, what Jesus has done is now we can refer to God. It's not, uh, God's name is not this, uh, this holy thing that we can't say. Jesus has made it a first-person name that we can refer to and call out on the name of Jesus. And he's saying, you are the Christ, which means the anointed one. Uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies about Jesus and says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, has anointed me to preach good news, to heal the brokenhearted, uh, bind up the brokenhearted, heal the sick, uh, set the captives free. He is anointed, and when we come into relationship and understand about Jesus, He is anointed to break burdens, to heal sickness, and to comfort those who mourn. So w what we say about Jesus should reflect our belief. So Peter says, right, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God that the Scriptures have been talking about. I've seen all of these miracles, and now I get it. You're not just a good guy. You're not just someone who can preach. You're not just someone who kind of accidentally did miracles. You're the Son of God. <laughs> just somehow fed 5,000 people from a, you know, a few fish and a couple of loaves. But with Jesus, it's all or nothing. See, if you're in a place of wondering about who Jesus is, He's either a lunatic or he's the son of God. He's not, as some people might refer to him, as a wise man that uh, taught and, uh, and did, did good things. No, because if he is just a wise man, then he encouraged people to follow him uh, all the days of their life and to, to put up with persecution and to uh, walk two miles instead of one mile and to do all sorts of stupid ideas that if they weren't from God would actually just seem a bit silly because he was the son of God and he talks about taking the sin of the world upon his shoulders. When he carried the cross and when he was hung on the cross, that cross represents, he carried the, the burdens and the weight of our sin on his shoulders as he carried the cross himself to then be hung on. He is the Christ, the anointed one, and it's through Jesus that we can come into relationship with God and have that everlasting life. So Jesus came back to Peter and he said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. See this, other versions say, God has revealed, my Father, God has revealed this to you. Uh, it's a, what we call in Christian terms a revelation. We to reveal means to make known, to understand, to come into a realization of. And so Peter, Jesus saying, 
God has made this known to you. See, we, we can't just kind of learn about Jesus and kind of go, this is okay. It's God will reveal it and it's what we call a revelation. It's that understanding and go, like Peter, whether you've just come into church for the first time, you've been for a couple of weeks, or you've been here a couple of years or 20 years, it's that moment where you go, I get it. Jesus died for my sins so that I might have everlasting life. That's what we call a revelation. But what we need is a personal revelation. See, some people, I grew up in a Christian home. I had Christian parents, and I consider it very blessed to have, have done so. Others uh, didn't have Christian parents. And, and the, in this room, we have some that have Christian parents, some that didn't. Even as a child in a Christian home, we still need an understanding and that revelation. So it doesn't matter what your background, we need to come to a point where we understand, go, I get it. Jesus died for my sins and is my personal saviour. And we invite him to, to be our personal saviour and acknowledge that what he did on the cross it gives us access to eternal life with him. Now, a really cool thing, part I love, is that Jesus says, right, Peter, you've told me who I am. You've worshipped, you have come to a revelation that I am Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God. Now I'm going to tell you who you are. So when we come into relationship with God, when we acknowledge that Jesus died for our sins, then it opens up a whole new world, a whole new life where he says, right, now your life is beginning. I'm telling you who you are. So as we tell God who he is, he will tell us who we really are. He will give us identity, security, a future uh, with plans and a, hope and, a f- uh, and a hope and a future. He says, for I, I know the plans that I have for you, says Jeremiah. Plans to prosper you are for good and not for evil. And again, going back to uh, J. John's thing, he says, the best antidote to misusing God's name is to use it properly through praise and prayer. So he says, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And we've preached on that last part earlier this year. But what I want to focus on is you are Peter, a rock. So Jesus says, now I'm telling you who you are. You are, and you can put your name in there. You are and if I guess the name, there's too many people, I'll probably say somebody's name. But you are, insert name, a rock. And he's saying Peter's name did mean rock, and some scholars also believe that Jesus was standing physically on a rock at the time. But it's not so important. He's saying, this is the rock in which I will put together my church. So he's saying, you are on which I will put together my church, all of us here in this room. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that is not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is yes in heaven, and no on earth is no in heaven. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. No matter what your history, no matter what your background, if we acknowledge that Jesus is our saviour, he's the Christ, he's the anointed one, and say, be my Lord, be my saviour, we have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Jesus turns around and says, here are the keys. Here are the keys to come. You are now a member of my kingdom. You're a son or a daughter of the king. Here are the keys. Keys to open any and every door, no more barriers. Jesus came so we would not have that barrier to heaven. That barrier was sin, or is sin. And Jesus took it upon the cross. He paid the, the cost when he died on the cross. As I said earlier, he carried it on his shoulders. And he took the sin of the world because he was sinless. He was the only person in human history that could take the sin for all mankind. Because only a sacrifice without sin could take all the sin. Everything that we have done wrong, everything in our nature... Only Jesus can give us that access because he was sinless and he took the sin and the punishment on the cross. Now, it's my prayer that as, uh, as I 
preaching or as you came in this morning or as you've been here in previous weeks, that as you have experienced the people of God, that you have experienced the presence of God. You have seen, oh, that's what a Christian's like. I get it. You've seen the compassion and maybe you haven't had much interaction with Christians, but you've come into the building here and been in a service and walk in the doors and say, I'm home. His presence. If you can feel that now, that's God's presence. test to it that is the only time I get teary and I can't see what I'm doing but it doesn't matter because God's presence heals heals physically spiritually emotionally and our access to his presence I mean, we can feel it when we come into the room if we want complete and free access to his kingdom he just says it's through Jesus Jesus on the cross. Who do you say I am? Jesus is asking this morning. We'll put the question out. This is the thing we do most weeks in church. Give people an opportunity to say, I get it. I don't understand it all. I haven't figured it all out yet. I'm not perfect. And no one is. It's okay but to say, I get it. The thing I've been looking for, the answer I've been looking for is Jesus. It's okay, the rest will come. I've been a Christian my whole life and I, I had that those moments of revelation, understanding, and I'm far from perfect. It's an ongoing thing. It's okay. It's not about being perfect to come into His presence. It's about just saying, you that Jesus, the anointed one, be my Lord. It's not about convincing arguments. If you can be argued into becoming a Christian, you can just as easily be argued out of becoming a Christian. It's once you experience His presence in, in here, in the service, or being prayed for, or in a connect group, uh, meeting a Christian conversation, oh, that, that person's got peace in their heart. That person has something different about them. That is God's presence. The Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you've got to do is speak, confess. You don't have a bunch of rules and regulations and things and like ten, a checklist of 10 or 100 things that earn you the right. Jesus paid the price. We just need to call on the name of the Lord and confess. His name has power. I just ask everybody's eyes to be closed just in this moment, whether you've heard this multiple times or this is your first time. I just want to give the opportunity for anybody that may not have acknowledged that Jesus is Lord and you want access to His kingdom and eternal life that relationship with Jesus brings. In a moment, I'll just ask you to uh, raise up your hand and once you've seen it acknowledge it you can put it down just as easy as that and I wonder there might be people that have been around church for a while maybe you have been called yourself a Christian in the past or maybe you've just been figuring it out maybe so I get it this morning I get it Jesus I want you as my Lord and Savior. I want that eternal life. I want that complete and free access. I want to be healed and, and full from everything that's been holding me back. So just in a few seconds, I'll just ask you to, if you're in any of those boats, if you feel like this is sort of a new thing and something you just go, oh, it just feels so different. And Jesus is the answer. Whether you've been around for a while, it's your first time, been around for years, 
we all need that moment. Sometimes if we've gone and done our own thing and said, I'm my own Lord, I'm just going to do my thing. You know, we need to come back to God and confess, Jesus, you are my Lord. So if there's anybody like that this morning, I just ask you to pop up your hand. Anybody that would like to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. See that hand. Thank you. Put it down. Anybody else this morning? Confess. Might have been around church for a while. So I, this morning, I get it. Jesus, you are Lord. Anybody else to put up their hand except Jesus this morning? Asking everyone to stand up with me this morning. Now, if I can, I'd just ask um, a person to put up their hand just to come forward with a friend. And we'd just like to pray as a church together with you. If you feel brave enough, we'd love to you to take that step. We'd love to stand with you. Uh, so, so let's give them a clap. Let's encourage them this morning. Uh, just pray together and, and encourage Jasmine here. Let's just, uh, as a church, confess and, and maybe you, you just need to reconfess in, in your heart as well. Say, so Jesus, uh, thank you for dying on the cross. I'm sorry for all the sin in my life. And I ask that you be my Lord and Savior. beautiful sacred moment when someone comes into the kingdom when that revelation happens that moment and in 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 the next uh, few weeks and and leading up to the end of the year we'll talk more on the other commandments about lifting God up and making God our, our Lord and not having any other idols and God being the, the number one so because it's a journey as we become a Christian it's an everyday thing. It's a, it's a work in progress. It's, a, it's something that's happening all the time. No one's perfect. And it's about making Jesus Lord. And we'll explore that in the coming months and um, all sorts of interesting things. But it's that moment when someone comes into the kingdom is to be celebrated. Let's just congratulate Jasmine this morning. What a great morning. Just to remind you, connect.